Oh my god. How cool. I love that. So exciting. Wow. Hi, I'm Pip and this is Jumbled Loves a Chat. Amazing. Love that it. Is stunning. That is like so flipping true. Let's come and get your coffee. <laughs> Cheers to that. This week's guest is one of my best friends. When we met in the shop a few years ago, we hit it off immediately. Since then, we have travelled from one corner of the globe to the other. And by this, I mean Morocco, and then more recently, the cotton fields of Narromine. It's with my greatest pleasure that I welcome interior stylist Jono Fleming to Jumbled Loves a Chat. Welcome, Jono. You meant to say, hey, I'm so glad to be hey, here. <laughs> I feel like oh, that I should. Having the best time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to add. We haven't even started and you're telling me what to do. <laughs> I know. Oh, God, I know. Well, that's what Insta wives and husbands, yeah. that's how they operate. <laughs> I feel like I need to add to that intro podcaster, foodie, workshopper, Instagram wizard, campaign, you know, all of that. But we'll get to that. Yeah. You've got a lot going on. I've got a few things on. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good to have you on here. I've been wanting to have you on here for ages, so that's really good. Let's start from the beginning, Jono. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your childhood, about your beautiful parents. It's so beautiful. Tell me. Yeah. So born in Sydney on the North Shore and, yeah, had a really good childhood. Family was good. My older sister, I think I copied a lot of what she did. So she wanted <laughs> to play music. I wanted to play music and she wanted to be, she was a bit more creative. So I followed suit and I think we were really lucky because our parents really fostered all our creativity and just sort of said, go and do whatever you want to do. If it makes mm. you happy, go and do it. We were so lucky like that. They're the ultimate. That's great. So is your sister doing something creative now? Yeah. So she lives in London. She's been there for about a decade and she's one of the lead designers at Vivian Westwood and has been for a really long time. Okay. See, amazing. Yeah. So she's very creative. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you want to be when you grew up, when you're following in your sister's creative Mm. footsteps? I have, you know, I've been thinking about this and I'm like, what did I want to be when I grew up? And I think I had. You no... wanted to be a cool nerd. What were you saying? Yeah, I think I, well, I nailed that part. I think <laughs> <laughs> definitely a nerd. <laughs> um, I think I just wanted to do something creative. I don't know what it was. I didn't. I definitely wasn't going. I want to be an interior designer and a stylist mm. when I was a kid. But maybe, maybe an artist. Yeah. And I think I always liked movies a lot so maybe it was something to do with movies and film but I had no real end point I had no idea what the job was at the end of all of it yeah so the cool nerd obviously did pretty well at school what did you decide to do when you left school yeah so definitely was I like to think I was a cool nerd (laughs) I know we laugh Yeah. (laughs) But after school, I wanted to go to COFA, which is the College of Fine Arts in Sydney, um, to do a design degree. But 
I took a break and went to England for a year in between. Um, just did a gap year, worked as a teacher's assistant at a school in the in Surrey. And it was so much fun. You know, you're 18 and you think you're an adult and you're just pretty much drinking every day. Yeah, yeah. Going to the pub, traveling around Europe. And then I got back from England and was like, yeah, okay, definitely want to be an interior designer. Because my friend had an old apartment over there. And while I was there, I was like, let's rip up this old carpet. Let's sand your floors back. Let's walk. an 18 year old. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I look back and I think it was that their, their equivalent of Bunnings had like really cheap wallpaper and all this DIY stuff. So we really just got into it. And I was like, yeah, this is fun. I want to do interiors, I think. But the COFA degree that I went for was more like all round design and sort of to help you figure out where you want to land. So I was really freaking out. And so I had a panic attack on the open day going, I don't want to join uni societies and do all this stuff. I just want to go to uni and study because I'm a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) And so I ended up going to White House Institute of Design and I did an interior design degree there for three years. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, that's where my sister went for fashion. So you had to follow in her footsteps as well. Just copying what she's doing. (laughs) Yeah, but you're not doing fashion, so you're not a total copy. Well, I almost did, but then I thought, I don't really want to learn how to sew. And that's kind of one of the reasons I didn't do fashion. Mm. And I still can't sew. So I did fashion for four years and I still can't sew. (laughs) Not good. So you left uni. And mm. then you landed a job with Temple and Webster. Yeah. And at the time, like Temple and Webster was groundbreaking in their business model, wasn't it? Like it was pretty, totally. pretty cool. I remember that they were one of the first places, businesses that had an, an in-house studio. Mm. And people used to always say to the founders, why are you spending so much money on having this in-house studio with in-house stylists and photographers, you're going to waste so much money. Just use all the supplied pictures that the suppliers provide you. And they were like, no, if we're selling a cookware set or pillows or towels, we don't want our customers to come back and see the same photo over and over again. We want to reshoot these things every time so people can see something new. Mm. And so when they were doing that, people were just like, oh, this is a waste of money. And now like eight, nine years later, you look at it and everyone is sort of going in-house with their teams because mm. you need content. I Every- know they really led, led the way in that respect. And yeah. yeah, we always say, yeah, photo. Photo just did all of that, all those yeah. sales. It's pretty amazing. But then their online component as well. Totally. And, and it's changed. The company changed a lot while I was there. I was there for about three and a half years Mm. and it went from being when i started it was exclusive sign up website where you had to sign in and the sales went for a week and then the items were gone and then it went all the way to having like they have like a hundred thousand products on their website now open platform you can buy whatever you want um there's a lot on there but there's some amazing stuff and that studio is still pumping out shoots every single day. Yeah. So is that what your job was when you were there? Just yeah. shoots every day? And what did you learn from all of that? I think I was very lost at the time because I was 
just I'd been fired from an interior design job. I didn't. Oh, know I didn't I know that. I was like, <laughs> I'm a serious interior designer, not a stylist. Stylist. Hey, why did you get fired? Uh long. Story. Oh, you don't have to. No, no. We don't I think it, no. It was a. I think I was too young to take on the responsibility that my boss wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was a little bit entitled. I think yeah. I needed beaten out of me a bit. Yeah. I needed to have that. Yeah. So when I went to Temple and Webster, I'm like, ugh, styling. That's just throwing cushions. Anyone can do this. And then I realized how much work it was and that you get to build sets and it's so much fun. So yeah, I learned a lot about, I think all my interiors knowledge helped with spatial planning on building Mm. sets. So we went from, you know, having one flat wall that I was like, well, if you put a corner in here and shoot it from this angle, it looks like a real bedroom. So it was just a lot of experimentation of how do you build a fake kitchen? How do you build a fake bathroom? with no budget and shit that you found on the side of the road. Like (laughs) that's so good. Good learning though. So much fun. It's like, it was like, you know, a Willy Wonka situation. Like you just do whatever you want. It's your, it's your imagination, whatever else, you know, if you can come up with it and figure it out, that's all you need to do. And you're all, you are a good stylist, but you're also a great food stylist too. Best Thank cook you. ever. And, and it looks as pretty as it tastes. Like, and tell <laughs> me about how you got into that and how you ended up loving food. Well, yeah. So the food thing was after I got fired, I thought I was going to, I auditioned. From for the my, first job. From the first job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've only been fired from one job. Yeah. Um, but when I got fired from that interiors job, I didn't know what to do with myself and I couldn't get a job. So I auditioned for MasterChef. Did you? I didn't know yeah. that. You would have been good. I got to a round where I was cooking for the producers and I got a mystery box challenge. And I what cooked was in it. Oh, I think it was just like, it was a lot of basics and chicken and stuff like that. So I made like a little chicken tostada thing, like a little Mexican chicken thing. And then the producers told me my food tasted like old El Paso. Oh. I was like, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I love it. Who <laughs> doesn't love old El Paso? So oh God. I didn't get into MasterChef, but I yeah. think I was sort of going, oh, I do love food. And when I started exploring the whole styling industry, I was like, oh, yeah, food styling's a thing. That's interesting. Mm. Actually, here's a thing. There's a show <laughs> called Hannibal about Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. That came out a few years ago. And it came out around that time and I was watching it and they would do the most incredible like tabletop feasts and things kind of made out of people. Oh, but God. it was just so beautiful. And there were like peacock feathers and pomegranates. It's all that really old um, almost painterly sort of thing. Yeah. And I was researching the show and I was like, oh, there's a food stylist who does that. Oh, what's a food stylist? And that's when I started to really look into that. So I started like calling around and working with some, you know, assist on a women's weekly baking shoot or something. And then just by chance, someone said, do you want to go wash dishes for this woman for a week? And I was like, yeah, I'll wash dishes. And they go, you get to eat the food. She's doing a cookbook. So I was like, yeah, I'll head over there. And that turned out to be Sylvia Kolika. I love her. Yeah. She's just 
she's just the best. Yeah. And I met her and she's this beautiful, striking, dark-haired Italian beauty. And I was petrified of her because I'd heard she was like a bit feisty. <laughs> um, and I'm a little nerd and I don't want to ruffle any feathers. <laughs> you're, a, you're not a little nerd, you're a cool nerd, John. I'm a cool nerd. Yeah. I just didn't want to ruffle feathers, so I was really nervous around Sylvia. And then after a few days, we started getting along and she was like, oh, you don't need to wash the dishes only. You can cook as well. So started getting me cooking with her. And then six months later, I was in Italy with her being the behind the scenes cook on her TV show, her first TV show. It's like, you know, it was that weird thing where about a year earlier, I was really depressed. I was, had no work. I didn't know what I was doing with life. And then a year later I was in the Italian countryside cooking pasta for a TV show. And I'm like, I don't have any food experience, but I learned so much from Sylvia. Mm. Yeah. You sure did. I mean, I can make pasta really quickly now. And I, you know, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's been really fun. Uh, But she taught me so much on how to cook. And it's, it's, for me, it's really similar to design because you know that like certain colors go together, certain shapes go together and they complement each other. And then I started approaching food the same way because it's flavors. I love that idea. That's really nice. Yeah. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. (laughs) That's where you're going wrong. You need to cook more like you, like you style pit. I know. That's such a lovely way of um, thinking about food. Yeah. Things like there are complementary flavors and complementary you know, ingredients and things like that. And then to make it pretty is just that little extra layer, but, you know. Same with the plate complementing the food. and Yeah. Yeah. And it's just about being a little bit extra because does this dessert need an edible flower on it? Probably not but it's going to look really pretty. So why not? I know. I know. When, when Jono came to visit me the other day, he bought like three big um, little boxes of edible flowers and we put them yeah. on everything, didn't we? Absolutely everything. Just chuck it on everything. It I looks know. so pretty. It's so <laughs> nice. So after that, you entered the very shiny, sparkly world of magazines mm. and you became, what did you become at Inside Out? Style editor. Oh, wow. Fancy. It sounds really fancy. Yeah. Was it, was it what you had been dreaming about? This, this is the dream job on yeah. a dream mag. I think it's one of those things that I never intended to be a stylist. So it was never a goal of mine to work at the magazines. I think it's also like, who gets that job? I never even thought that was an option, mm. you know? When you're thinking about it as a little kid, nobody's thinking of the job with the word editor in it. That's not it. You want to be one thing or another. So it was just really surprising when I, I got offered the role by Claire Bradley, who was the editor at the time. Um, she had shot our farmhouse and they put it on the cover and I think that was my mini job interview, actually. Yeah, yeah. And you designed the farmhouse as yeah. well. And then you sh- yeah, that's good. And it was a good job interview there. Not bad. I mean, it cost my parents a bit of money to build the house, (laughs) but it's all paid off, hasn't it? Um, But yeah, magazine world, I stepped in and I just had no idea what I was doing because I remember saying to Claire, like, oh, this is 
I had to submit color trends every issue. And I said, well, what do you think about this one? Do you think this is a good color trend? And she's like, you, you tell me, you're the style editor. That's your job. I was yeah. like, oh, really? Yeah, this is a fancy role, isn't it? <laughs> what, what are, I digress a little bit, what do you reckon are the trends now? Mm. So trends are really tricky. I spent, you know, two years telling everyone what they had to buy and what the trends were. I think Do you follow trends as well? I try Sorry, not I'm to. asking too many questions oh, without hearing an answer. Go. <laughs> I try not to follow trends. That's my thing. I'm like, I think definitely there are things that come out that you like and you gravitate towards, but I think if you stick too closely to a trend and you just have to go by every new trend, a, it's kind of wasteful and who has the money to keep changing up their home like that? But also find the things that you connect with and if there's a new trend and you like it, go with it. But that helps you find your own personal style. I think the way trends are, are that people, the experts, so to speak, have selected these trends. It's very that scene in The Devil Wears Prada where Love she's talking about the cerulean blue and how it's been handpicked for you. But it is a bit of that. People have chosen certain things to filter down and they're just editing it for you. Look at trends like an edit maybe. Mm. And then and you pick the pieces that you pick like. the ones you like. Yes, yeah. That being said, if I have to like a trend at the moment, <laughs> I love all the cobalt that is everywhere and popping up. Yes, yeah, yeah. The um, oh. From Morocco, the Marjorelle Garden, oh, it, Eve's Blue, so perfect. Huh? On, my, on my Xander holiday behind I me. I know. The, the painting behind Jono's head in his living room is a Xander holiday artwork from our shop and it has the most beautiful blue frame and it's yeah. just, yeah. It's so fun. I know. Oh, Who would have thought? But it looks so good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm digging that that trend as well. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> um, so I guess the magazine industry is in a little bit of turmoil at the moment. Yeah. I guess with everything going on with technology and everything, mm. and you're made redundant. Yeah. And you look back on that now and think, because I think for you that was such a positive. I think I needed it. I like the mag job at the start was my dream job. I never realized I had, it was just like, how lucky am I that I get to do this? And as everyone had warned me, magazines change really quickly. And I think, and it's still sort of going as a few years right now where mags have been a little bit uneasy and it was, I was starting to get really unhappy at work because I felt like it, I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do and take the projects in the directions that I wanted to do it. Um, and I was unhappy and then they made me redundant. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So, sort of a blessing. Everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. It was a little bit of a shock at the time. And then you dust yourself off. And I think had I not been fired all those years ago where I sat around and wallowed in my self-pity and I was really depressed, I think... I had to have learnt from that experience. So when this happened, I went to go visit my sister in London straight away. Like I got fired and then like I got made redundant and literally two days later was in, on the plane to London. Yeah. And went and spent time with my sister and then came back and was like, okay, what's next? Like I've got to do something now yeah. because like just can't waste any time. 
And then the and then, podcast, House so yeah. of Style podcast with Carrie Ann. How did yeah. that come about? It was the week before I finished up at the Mags. And I was talking to Carrie Ann because she'd been through a similar thing to me six months earlier. Yeah, with a different mag. With a different mag. Yeah. And she said, let's do something together. I said, okay, sure. If we can think of something good to do together, let's do it. And she's like, what about a podcast? Okay, sure, let's do a podcast. And then literally about two months after that conversation of me going, yeah, what are we going to do? We had it ready to go and we launched the House of Style. And it was just this thing that both of us had during our times at the magazine. We used to talk to suppliers and we'd meet people and hear their stories. And then I'd share those stories with other people, with you, with, you know, different different um, friends. And they'd be like, that brand has such an interesting story. And we were like, there's really nowhere to share that. There's no way to share those stories. And, you know, we've been inspired by many other, there's many other podcasts that sort of talk about brand stories, but I'm like, let's give this a go. Like, we've got these connections. We know these amazing people like yourself. You're on our first season. Uh, (laughs) And people just connected to all these different stories. And it was just, it's been really amazing. And for both of us where we were sort of in between work and looking for a bit of career guidance, it was actually a really good way for us to get all of that information because we're hearing everyone else's stories and how they did it and no one has an easy journey you have ups and downs yeah I love hearing um people's business stories or how like everyone has a story don't they and it's just a matter of like finding getting to the bottom of it and I think the main thing the main takeaway that we learned from nearly every single person's story is like you just got to do it I know. You can't talk about it. And I think as creatives, we can overthink things and try and be perfectionists and make sure everything's exactly right. But nearly every single guest has just been like, yep, we took a leap. Yeah. We just gave it a go. You're getting a little um, dose of inspiration every time you record a new yeah, one. Totally. So you're right now, you're in the middle of season two. So focusing on women in design, which I've loved listening to. It's been really good. Why do you think it was important to showcase women in the industry? Yeah, I think it wasn't a play to be like, you know, we're going to do something really topical and focus on women. It's it's more that so many industries in the world are so male oriented. Mm. Um, And even I did honestly feel a little weird. I'm like, is it strange that I'm a part of this talking about like, I'm not a woman in design. I'm another male in design. (laughs) Um, You're very comfortable with all the girls. Like all the girls, (laughs) when we went to Morocco with 13, 14 women and Jono. And Jono, you're so at home. It was so yeah. No, I but I like that it's um like that it didn't matter that you're the host of it. I think that's great. Yeah, I think the other thing is is that in so like I said, in so many industries, it's so male oriented, and we're also you know right now we're in a time talking about a lot of white privilege and white male privilege. Mm. It was really nice to just be able to focus on women and. There are so many incredible women in this industry. It's not like we were scraping the bottom of the barrel. We had 
so many people that we could talk to. Um, I think even in coming seasons, we're like, oh, maybe we'll chuck a guy in there just to change it up every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the incredible creative women that we got to talk to from every sort of like artists and designers and everything, it's just, it's really, really inspiring. Yeah, that's so cool. I often find um, that there's a lot of women um, starting their own businesses as well because they've sort of had to because they've been looking after kids or whatever. So they've sort of had to make their own luck. Well, it's funny you say that because a lot of our guests, I feel like their turning point and their pivot point in their careers and things is often right after they have their first kid or second kid. Yeah. And they're going... I think it's that moment where they are sitting at home going, what do I want to do? Like, what's next? I want to change this. And, you know, Carrie-Anne has two little little ones and, you know, I don't have any kids yet maybe, but um, not that I know of anyway. (laughs) Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) Oh, this is getting very deep. I know. (laughs) But, I, um, you know, I don't have any kids yet, but it was amazing to hear people just going, okay, we're going to adapt. We're going to change. We're going to do something for ourselves now. Mm. And that's how a lot of them started their new businesses or changed their careers. Other than the interview that you did with myself, mm-hmm. who was your second favourite person Ooh. that you've um, interviewed? Your favourite episode? Oh, I love them all equally. <laughs> <laughs> One that I do really love and mainly because I use them all the time is the Maison Balzac episode. With oh, her voice was beautiful as well. Firstly, her voice. I'm like, I just need you to read poetry to me <laughs> like as an audio book. There's an idea. There's a business idea. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but then just the way she described the process and the storytelling behind her candles. And so I've, you know, I don't, I genuinely still go out and buy all her candles because I love that I can, like I can light the candle at home. I can smell it. And then I can read the backstory Mm. and go, I can hear her voice telling it to me, Mm. but this beautiful storytelling and just having that meaning behind a product was really, really special. That's, I guess, the way where a podcast or a blog is so good is that you get the backstory behind that thing that you love. Totally. Who would be your dream guest? Oh, I think probably Justina Blakeney is one of my absolute dream guests ever. You should ask her. I would love to hear her story. She is so incredible. I think she is just A, super talented and beautiful, but then B is just a really smart businesswoman that she can have product at Target in America, but then also go right up to sort of luxury rugs Mm. and the one end of the spectrum to the other doesn't feel cheap or expensive. It all feels like her. And she kind of created that jungle-o look that was, was a massive trend. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. Absolutely. I think she's, like, she's my number one dream. She's so incredible. You know what? When, when we get off this podcast, I want you to send her a message. <laughs> I will. 
Good. Okay, done. Yeah. Good. Tickety tick. Me <laughs> bossing you around again. So you also host workshops and I've been at some of them. Yes. And you're a really good teacher as Thank well. You. You're a very good teacher. So can I just pick your brains for a sec for on sure. some of the topics because I feel like for the listeners that it would be really helpful. How to take one good photo. Tell mm. me. How do you okay. do it? What are your tips? So this is the thing. I was teaching a course about marketing for Instagram at one of the unis. Yeah. And I was giving people all these tips. Here's how you plan your thing and, you know, think of the colors and all this stuff. And some of the students would go away and tag me in photos. And I'm like, you're doing all the stuff in theory, <laughs> but the photos kind of look awful to put it nicely. <laughs> And not that I was too mean, but I said to them, like, you know, straighten up your horizons. And what I realized was it's all nice and good to have a full marketing plan. But if you can't put nice images on Instagram, that's not going to sell anything for you. Mm -hmm. So the idea of it behind one good photo is learning that theory and training your eye to be able to recognize what a really strong image looks like, but on your phone, because... Mm -hmm. Not all of us are photographers. We can't all afford photographers. Mm -hmm. And Instagram is nice that it is that personal connection that you've taken the photo. So it is about things like the rule of thirds. Yeah. So turning the grid on onto your phone to make sure all your lines are straight, your horizons, all your vertical lines are straight when you're taking a photo, making sure things are centered. Um, and then having a little play around afterwards and editing and brightening the colors and playing with the contrast. Yeah. What, what app do you use for that? I use, oh, what's the app that I use? There are so many apps. I'm one of those bad people that instead of using one go-to app, I use about 10 different ones. Oh, my gosh. I actually have seen Jono do this one. He'll, like, add hair on his head and, like, make his head skinnier and all <laughs> sorts of crazy things. Yeah. These big cheeks got I, Oh, no. <laughs> I, I love Snapseed. That's my go-to, but yeah. only because I'm um, comfortable in that. Yeah. Now. It is a bit like finding the right one for you. I use Afterlight. Okay. And there's an amazing one called Retouch. Yeah. And that can help you not Add so much. <laughs> not, not so much on the, like, making you skinny or anything, but if you have objects or, like, power lines and stuff like that, you can just press a button and they all disappear. Yeah. That's so been game changing. Um, Snapseed has that, a healing one, and you can heal out all sorts of crazy things. Like it's very, it's very handy. It's not about like creating false images. It's creating beautiful images on Instagram. Mm. And, you know, I think it's important if you want to market your business and take it to the next level, it all starts with images. The first mm. thing people do nowadays, if they go to a cafe or a shop, is check out the Instagram. Yeah. So if that's looking good, then you're going to get people walking through the door just to see what it's all about. Mm, that's good. Good tips. Thanks. I shouldn't <laughs> be telling you. You're the master of Instagram. No, no. Yeah. And insta <laughs> no, Instagram 101. I also sat in on a um, classroom lesson in your living room where you had a little mm. PowerPoint presentation yes. one night. <laughs> Before he was practicing to speak to a big seminar, and it was I about friends over for dinner and then lecture them. <laughs> I know he's like, "Are you ready for my seminar?" Um, but this one was on how to make the most out of media. Mm. Tell me, 
How do I? I think it's an interesting one because the media landscape is changing a lot, especially as we've said, you know, mags are kind of in a bit of turmoil. They're sort of finding new footing. I think the best thing to do to make the most out of media is to know your audience, really, really know who you're selling to. Because if you're looking at different magazines or different blogs to pitch products or a house or something to, you need to know that it's the right one. Don't just throw it out to everyone. Yes. Because if you hone in on something really, really specific that you know, okay, the inside out reader likes a good renovation and they like photos of kitchens and laundries and bathrooms. That's where those readers are going to gravitate towards. So it's really about analyzing what outlets you want to target. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's really important to know, know what your product is, know who your audience is. So would I just send images in a Dropbox to a media organization with a little blurb and that's how I would try and get in mags and blogs and things like that? Yeah, it's straight in the front of the magazine in the masthead where it has who works on everything. There will be email addresses to people. Oh, yeah, looked at that. Okay. That's my homework when we get off this. Exactly. (laughs) And then... The other thing is look up stylists or people that work at magazines. You'll find their names around. Mm. Even on Instagram and stuff. Everyone's on Instagram. Send them a DM. If they don't reply, so be it. But you can't say you haven't tried then. Yeah, that's a good advice. That's good. Um, And then you also do workshops with Julie Green about creative career advice. What sort of things are you covering there? Well, so that was an interesting one because, you know, Jules and I can talk. Yeah. And a lot. Um, and I'm the sensible one out of the two of us. I keep her in check. Same. But pretty much with all our almost 20 years of combined experience in the industry, we were like, there are so many questions people ask or are afraid to ask in the industry, how much should I charge for a job? What type of tax do I need to do? What type of insurance do I need? It's not always the fun stuff, but it's all the really important stuff to being a creative and being a successful creative. So we just were like, let's put it all out on the table. Let's do a full eight hour. It's a big, it's a big full day seminar but we talk about everything. We talk about our experiences in the industry, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. We talk about all the boring stuff that you need to know, all the questions you want to ask. So, yeah, that's been um, – we've done a couple of those and they've been really, really, really well received. Um, and it's not so much about how to style. It's, okay, I want to be a stylist, but how do I, how do I set up my business? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I always get asked how much should I charge for this artwork or this mm. thing. There's so many um, different elements that you have to think of, isn't there, when you're trying yeah. to set a price for anything really? And because it's such a competitive industry, I think people sometimes do play things too close to the chest. So they mm. just don't want to give away all their pricing. And if I tell them this much, they might get the job instead of me. So mm. I think it's just a bit of openness. Yeah. So... I guess then after all of that, you've come back to where you started off doing interior design and styling again. Yeah. So lots of diversions, but you're back here and um, 
it's very exciting. You've been working on some very exciting projects. Yeah, it's been it's been strange that it's taken 12 years to get back to what I wanted to do of doing interior design. But I'm much more knowledgeable now. I'm older and wiser and rounder. And, <laughs> you That's know, why you got the retouch app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm working with a few clients. We're doing, I'm doing a, a renovation in Surrey Hills oh, cool. and one in Roseville. And I'm working with an amazing design studio, Strut Studios. Yeah. So because it's been a few years since I've been in the industry, my, my drawing skills may, not, may be a little bit rusty. So I've partnered with these, these amazing girls and they're, yeah, between, the, between Strut Studios and myself, we've just, we work really well to collaborate. And I love collaborating with people because yeah. you just get more ideas, you get more back and forth. Mm. And you see things differently. Yeah. And then you recently um, came to Orange. Yes. To do a photo shoot with us. Well, our... when you call, I come. I I'll know. I'll be there straight away. Bossy boots, me. Because I'm, yeah, I'm scared um, what you're going to do if I don't. I know. <laughs> so Jumbled's just done a collaboration with Robert Gordon, which yes. would have come out last night, the podcast. Oh, um, and the funny thing is that I called Jono because I was on his podcast and they said, what's your dream collaboration? I said, oh, I'd just love to do ceramics or something or other. Anyway, literally Robert Gordon and Kate Gordon, they sent me a message saying, we'd love to make your dreams come true. Just from saying, saying it out loud on your podcast. So I know, I know. And it was so good. And then, so Jono came out here, we needed him to create some beautiful food for us and style the shoot um, that we did with Clancy Job out in oh the cotton fields gosh. of Narromine. And it was um, amazing. Breathtaking. Yeah. Like it was a fantasy, the whole it thing. Was. It was really, um, and it wasn't even, you know how some photo shoots are really smoke and mirrors and not yeah. as beautiful in real life. It was so beautiful, wasn't it? It was just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And maybe that's me being a city boy and not getting out. Oh, no, I do get to the country enough. But just it was just something that I think people so rarely see. Mm. And, yeah, we were so, so lucky. Clancy was incredible. Yeah. She's just so snapping good. away. The backdrop for the collection that you did was perfect. Yeah, it was great. I, I, they're going to sell out. You know what surprised <laughs> me though on the shoot? You were just so calm and um, not overthinking. Like you often overthink a little bit in real life, but oh, you're just really boy. calm. Is that is that practice from just styling or was that just like? Yeah, I think you're right. Pip constantly tells me that I'm overthinking. Yeah, um, I go to Pip for advice and she's like, just stop overthinking it. And it's good. I need to hear that sometimes. But when it comes to styling, I think there's a bit of confidence that I have after all these years of just knowing what I want to do and where to put things. And then the other thing is, is that I'm like, look at this job. Okay. Drove out to the country this weekend and I'm standing in a cotton field with the most beautiful plates around with friends. If this is work, there's no need to be stressed. Like just got to get it done. 
have fun with it. You know, we're not saving lives, but no. I like to think that we're inspiring people to be happy and put colour in their world and, you know, we're making people happy that yeah. way. A bit of joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that, oh, hang on. I forgot to mention that you made us a special cocktail for yes. the Jumble Gang. So that's going to be on our website as well. And it's called... A Walk in the Clouds. Yes. So that was sort of inspired by us, like walking through the the cotton fields that went all pink and fluffy in the sunset. And it's a beautiful um, drink that you should pull out at your next yeah. party. It's got a bit of gin. It's got um, red wine umeshu, which is the Japanese plum wine. It's yep. like a plum liqueur. And then you just put a bit of lemon juice and some soda water. It's like not too sweet, but it's pink and it's pretty. And yeah, yeah I'm mm, addicted to them. <laughs> you must try it. It's so good. So delicious. So then that brings me to the future. Well, well actually more than now. Yeah. That what are you about to launch in July? Yeah, so this is really exciting. I have, honestly, this all came out of COVID. So I was on my farm and I was, because we did a bit of ISO up there and I was styling, moving stuff around the house, getting bored, taking photos. And I was like, I just want a few little artworks to put here and there that I don't want to spend a mozza on. And I just couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. So I thought, no, if someone does it, I'll buy it from them. And I just couldn't find it. So starting Could in July, you? hopefully, I'm putting it out there. I'm gonna I know I said July, so you got a deadline. Sorry. I've got to do it. I've got my deadline. So July, I'm launching the stylus palette. And pretty much it's affordable art that isn't too big. It's sort of around an A2 is the biggest size. Mm-hmm but they're going to be limited editions of a hundred. And I'm working with an amazing little artist called Rachel Stevens. She's an incredible illustrator and I've commissioned her to do some artworks and they're just sort of old school still lifes and landscapes, the kind of stuff you'd see at a Vinnie's, but how many Vinnie's can you trawl to find the perfect one? Yeah. 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 And the perfect Vinnie's find. It's, it's really hard to do. So it's this sort of vintage-inspired artwork. Um, they're going to come fully framed on canvas. Yeah. And, yeah. I think and you'll sell some as little packs to gallery yeah. wall up. And... Little bundles. I'll do, the, I'll do the styling part for you so you don't have to decide. It's um, so good. I'm so happy. So beautiful. I'm so excited. So it's out there now, July, the stylist palette. It's coming. Yeah. We can't wait. I can't wait to see your dream become a reality. And it's another example of the silver linings of Corona. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it was this thing that I sort of thought for years, I'd love to do a product or something, but I don't want to force it. I don't want to sell out. And then this just feels really right. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm really, really proud and excited for everyone to see it. Oh, it's good. I can't wait to see it. So that then brings us to the jumbled mixed bag. Are you ready for it, Jono? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. What is your go-to road trip food? Oh, I mean, it's my everyday food, but specifically road trips, I guess, as well. It's got to be the sauce roll and a strawberry milk. Oh, a like, fancy sausage no, roll or a... No. Keep your Burke Street bakeries to yourself. I <laughs> will be having... I do... I tell you what, 
if I'm going name brand, I love a 7-Eleven. They do a really good one. Um, I, you know, BP's not too bad either. And, like, just give me the, like, you need the sausage roll with the little squeezy tomato sauce and the strawberry milk. Oh, my God, that actually made me really hungry. <laughs> it's so good. I, uh-uh. Honestly, all that talk of being a foodie and I'm such a dirty bogan because that's yeah. all I want to eat most of the time. Oh, my gosh. Gross. But, you know, chuck an edible flower on it, make it pretty. Oh, my God, <laughs> totally. Oh, my God, that could be a new thing. Okay, if you could be a star on any reality TV show, what would it be? Oh, Okay, I've never done drag, but I love Drag Race. So okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll just do Drag Race. Okay, even though I'd be good. terrible. Oh no! Oh, I can walk in heels. That's, that's <laughs> okay. If you're a plate of food, what would you be? Can't be a sauce roll, I guess. Nah. No. No, um, well, maybe you're a sauce roll with edible flowers on top. Really? Yeah. No, you know what? I love a really good classic carbonara oh it's rich yeah. and creamy and you got the bacon yeah. it's a lot of everything it's simple but there's a lot of flavor it's all packed in the packs a punch is that yeah, me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah carbonara love it yeah yeah, yeah. you are okay <laughs> your dream collaboration oh that's a really it worked for me so it worked for you honestly i think I'm going to start with my art that I'm doing yeah. and my absolute dream would be to start doing some furniture because I think there's so many pieces still missing from like, and I'm going to say the Australian market. Yeah, There's so yeah. many beautiful things that we're missing out on here and I'd love to, if anybody's out there, I'd love to collaborate and design some furniture. Yeah, it'd be so good. Can you have it ready for my new house, please? Yeah, done. Yeah, Too thank easy. you. Okay. You already have to buy all the art, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final one. Where would be your dream long lunch destination if you could go anywhere? Mm. Sort of like my dream holiday destination at the moment yeah. is Lord Howe Island. So it's not even that far. Yeah. And we can travel there with restrictions. Oh, my God, um, yeah. Lord Howe Island, it just looks like absolute heaven on earth. And it kind of looks like Jurassic Park, which is the main reason I want to go there. Oh my gosh, you're <laughs> such a uncool nerd. But yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the podcast today and thank good you. luck. I know you're going to smash it with your new venture. Thank kill you. It. I'm I'll just taking you. my advice from you. Yeah, just stop overthinking and do it. <laughs> Always. Okay, see you on the next photo shoot for something amazing, hopefully. Okay, thanks. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening and sharing a glass of bubbles with us. Please subscribe if you want to hear more and share it with all your kick-ass businesswomen friends. So until next time, stay fabulous.